I guess one thing about having an urban farm that we've always discussed is that we want it to be an example of what a production farm would look like for people in the city. Our goal was never, let's have a big kitchen garden for us. Our goal was always, it can actually make money from selling produce and show people what production can look like in, in a city. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. <laughs> You were just listening to Eric and Allie, a couple who have made their living by farming in the unlikeliest of places, Los Angeles. Now, you may be wondering, is that even possible? Looking at the concrete urban sprawl, there's little green space to begin with, let alone enough to raise a sustainable amount of crops. Yet, despite the lack of water, space, quality soil, it seems that Eric and Allie have found a way. For this episode, I hopped on my bike to my nearest metro station and took the train to their community plot in Lincoln Heights. There, I sat down with the pair and heard their story. Eric, can you actually describe a little bit about what you can see everywhere from the farm to different places in the city? So we're in Lincoln Heights. One of the things that we can see as we go up on the hill is downtown Los Angeles. Um, we can see the Hollywood sign and Griffith Observatory. And then we're kind of across from Elysian Park where Dodger Stadium is. So just kind of on the horizon, we can see uh, the lights for Dodger Stadium. Why were you so drawn to agriculture? I got interested in agriculture in college. And for me, I started learning about the climate and learned about the food we ate and got interested in farming. And as a college kid, I helped out on some farms. And so once I started getting into the farming community, all of a sudden I ate really well, which was like tough as a college kid because I, you know, wasn't spending a lot of money on food. But then all of a sudden, all the food I was given and stuff from being friends with all these farmers and stuff was like the freshest peaches that exist and all of this really good goat cheese and lettuce and all of this stuff from my friends. And so free food is the way to get any <laughs> college student interested in anything. Exactly. <laughs> so all of a sudden you start like eating really well and then you feel really good and you meet all these wonderful people. Before you had this farm, can you guys tell me how you met? Uh, we both met in college. We went to school at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Um, there's like all these trees and different things all over the campus. There's every year uh, a a tree walk um, the, the school puts on. At the time, I was having like a hooky day. And so I worked at a permaculture apple orchard. And so spent the morning at the apple orchard doing the garden. And then we made cider all day. And then the next part of my great day was to go on this tree walk that my friend had told me about. There was a lot of people over 65 and Eric was the only other college kid.
Well, at the time I was studying physics and I was doing research. So I was spending a lot of time um, in a basement uh, on a computer. Not like unhappy in a sense, but I was like in college trying to figure out what I'm going to do and realizing like this is definitely not it. Growing up, like to work with my hands, like to work outside. I was always kind of interested in growing food, certainly interested in eating good food. I think through farming kind of found this opportunity where like I can learn a lot, um, but don't have to be like sitting. I didn't graduate uh, in the near future there. Uh, I did eventually graduate, um, but took me quite a while. Uh, Allie did graduate, um, which is great. Uh, (laughs) Right after school, we moved up to the mountains and for the winter uh, and worked at like ski resort. I drove a bus. Allie continued being a ski instructor. After that, we kind of started moving around. Uh, We lived in Oregon. We got connected with a bunch of people doing like a kind of collaborative community farm. We had no idea what we were doing. Starting a farm, there's like one factor that you can never really control. One of the most difficult things is obviously dealing with the elements of nature. Being a little bit outside of Portland, Oregon, our first piece of land that we were starting this farm with was on a place called Savi Island. Really beautiful. That's a lot of farmland and the water level is very high. And so in a place like Portland, Oregon, when it rains a lot, all of a sudden our farmland is underwater. So you can't get anything in the ground. We're just waterlogged. I always remember we went early season and it's like underwater. And we like are looking out over the field and there's some like splashing. And so we walk down and there's a fish like literally in the field, like splashing about crazy. That was kind of like when we were all like, okay, like we got to figure something out here. And so you lose half the season because you're not able to plant right away. And so then all of a sudden you get all of your crops in and then you're up against the coming frost. The first frost is on its way. And so you don't necessarily have a lot of time to get that the one crop you need. I think that first year, maybe there was 10 of us. And so the 10 of us were always trying to agree on, okay, what do we do? Our land is underwater. We need to find a different solution. This is obviously not working for us. And so we decided to move the farm and find a different piece of land. And so then it was about community outreach and connecting with other people and trying to figure out, okay, we're in Portland, Oregon, and we don't have the money to rent a space in the city. And so let's find some place where we can rent a piece of land that would work for us. It's super stressful because it's something that you put so much energy into. And we had built a shed and and you just spend every week in there. And so then just to say, we've put all this effort into the soil, but we're going to move. And you're going to start from zero. We're going to start from zero. We're going to start from a blank piece of field that was growing a commodity crop. I think they were growing oats. And to us, it was always important to find an organic piece of land. And so we found a piece of land and it was 
a family that owned the land for a hundred years or so and they were organic since the 70s and so i guess when we were starting the first farm all coming to agreement on how to move forward was always the biggest thing so when people at this point when people ask like oh like so what do you guys do for work would you say we are farmers not at that time (laughs) definitely not you know i mean it was i think for all of us it was kind of like something we were interested in pursuing but you know it was we all had full-time jobs so i was cooking mine was working at an ad agency working in film and tv and that's how we ended up in los angeles i remember the first time i came to los angeles being just wowed by how beautiful it was and how much nature there's around and how in the wet season which sometimes there's rain sometimes there's not but if it does rain it turns green and it looks like ireland and it can be hilly and then there's also the ocean and you can go camping 30 minutes from the city and for a very urban place it actually has a ton of nature around and so just felt extremely excited so when did you first stumble upon this property when we moved here we kind of imagined not necessarily knowing but thinking like oh there must be a lot of kind of like urban farming um which to a certain degree there is there's like right you go around the yards of every neighborhood and there's like a ton of fruit trees and different things growing but in terms of like an actual farm that's growing food to sell there's really there wasn't much so then we started kind of like just trying to figure out how we could do it how you could do what how we could be farming here finding land in los angeles it was so hard (laughs) (laughs) the process took six years oh wow (laughs) and so we moved here and i found an apartment that was across the street from a community garden and so immediately we were able to get a three by ten plot And after, I guess I shouldn't say immediately because we moved in and I was like, oh my goodness, there's a community garden across the street. I got to get in. Where were were you guys living? It was in East Hollywood. And so right in the middle of the city, right kind of underneath the, the 101 highway. And so we get there and I am trying to look online. How do I sign up for this community garden? There's not a lot of information about it. And so I go across the street and it's kind of always locked it's kind of always open you kind of have to talk to the right person so i ended up they kept pointing to this one person and so i talked to this guy netty and he was like oh we're not taking any people in the community garden and so then every week i would show up and just be like okay how can i help the garden in general and so i cleaned up the fence i would do weed other people's spots i was just there to help and like lend a helping hand and i kept going around to other people's lots saying this one looks really abandoned. What about this one? Can I <laughs> can I just throw some seeds in the, into this plot? And Nettie would be like, no, 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 no. That's somebody's plot. It's not yours. It's not yours. And after a month or two of doing this, showing up every week, just saying, how can I help? I want a garden. I'm serious about this. He said, okay, I'll give you your own plot. <laughs> and so it was a lot of groundwork getting into the community garden. So we had that community garden plot. And so we were able to grow just enough to keep our that itch of, of growing things satisfied. But all the while we were like looking for, okay, our dream eventually is to own a tiny house on a big piece of property. 
We never thought we'd be able to do it in Los Angeles, but we were here and we were enjoying our work. So let's just look and see what we could find. So we looked to rent property and we looked all over. We went with like tons of different realtors and stuff. And then after a few years, after like talking with the city, we had a friend who works for the city, met with like a hundred people in the city. Is there any way we can rent? Exactly. Is there any way we can rent city-owned land? We know that these properties are owned by the city. We know that they're vacant. Let us just be a steward of it for a few years, blah blah blah. All dead ends. Just no. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a hundred dead ends. I was at the point where I was like, okay. We're never going to find it. Let's just buy a house with a little piece of land. Let's just buy an extended lot house. And so just as we were starting to give up and settle (laughs) on the dream, this particular house came up and it was listed in Lincoln Heights, which was one of the neighborhoods we had been looking in. That we knew kind of backed up to property. And it said it came with 1.2 acres. Wow. And I called our realtor who had been working with us for three years. Very patient person. Three years. Oh, my God. So we went the day it came on the market and saw it. Me and Eric and our realtor were all like floored. And You're like, like, this is it. We have to get this. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And we had put in a couple offers for houses, never one with this much land. And we never were getting them because we kept getting outbid by a developer. Thankfully, this particular location, the next door neighbors were related to the owners. And so they were not looking to sell the house to a developer. That was how we got the house. We just got so lucky. (laughs) Wow. All the stars aligned. Yeah. Very lucky over the course of, you know, looking for a long time. So in terms of ideas, like what was the goal? I mean, it's always evolving. (laughs) One thing about having an urban farm that we've always discussed is that we want it to be an example for people in the city of what a production farm would look like. And so our goal was always, let's have this be a beautiful example of what growing food could look like. And so people connect with the food and people in the city can understand agriculture a little more. Our intention and belief about an urban farm is that it can actually make money from selling produce and show people what production can look like in in a city. And so kind of having this greater view of urban agriculture within cities, if every neighborhood had an urban farm that was on a production scale and could have a couple full-time employees, they could feed the whole neighborhood. Redefining what a farm could look like and in that it doesn't have to be 10,000 acres outside of the city that they can be on a smaller scale, employ a a few people, helping people connect to the food. It's picked when it's more ripe and focused on nutrition and has just a different mentality. How can we be an example for the city? Farming is so much work and farming on a hillside. I think one thing people don't think about is like it's dragging buckets of dirt up and down a hillside. And it's not glamorous and it's not fun. And it's really tiring. And after farming for a summer, my toes go numb because it's on a hillside and it's a slant and your body hurts in ways you didn't expect from the hillside. And so you have to really, really love it. You know, like, I guess it's so hard and it takes so much physical labor that I do believe that it can change the way our cities function. Without that bigger belief, I don't think we would be able to put it as 
as much. You're connected to something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And I guess like goal is always to make it beautiful and make it accessible and allow people to interact with food in the city because we'll never grow enough produce to feed Los Angeles, but we can teach a lot of people to grow their own food and to be an education source within the city. If you were to give advice to someone who wanted to create their own farm, what advice do you think you would give that person in a few sentences? I think if I were to have something to say to people who are looking to start a farm, first and foremost, if you're going to have some kind of job incorporated with plants, start growing something, anything, and get really used to how to care for plants, how to look at them, how to understand what they need and what they when they need it. A big part of running a farm is being able to identify how your plants are going because that's your number one product. And so they always say, the best fertilizer is a farmer's footsteps. And so you have to walk a lot of uh, aisles and, and look, to, look at a lot of plants to understand how good your product will be. And so that's a big part of running a farm. And then if you're looking to start an urban farm in particular, being patient and persistent is very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Don. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, David Saidi, Ashley Jimenez, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Cherise Tan, Harushi Kanauchi, Kristen Hagelin, Aya Cortez, and Valencia Lee. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Aiden Ashworth, Nikki Mukawa, Sylvie Wong, and Eric Menno. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Tiffany Dang. Yao Lil. And Dina Gabriel. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.